One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on this episode... Fan of history. Hello, Dan. Hello, Bernie. We are back. Yes, we're back and we are in Babylon. And I get to repeat the situation for you all. Yes, please tell me all about Babylon in February 556 BC. February 556 BC, our king of Babylon, near Gleiser, is still the king. And he had just, he had um, done some fighting in southern Turkey, where there was a small little kingdom. And he showed that the Babylonian army was still a force to be dealt with. For sure. He's still a king, and it seems that he's probably on his way back to Babylon, or he's been, he is back. No, he's on his way back. He's, he doesn't come home in February. Okay, so he doesn't make it back yet. And there's and we think that he was felt secure enough to go over there. For Well, we're not sure why he did it, this little war. Maybe he wanted to show the Medes and the Lydians that he was still something to be dealt with. Um, maybe he felt comfortable that the Medes were not going to attack his rear while he was over there. And I do believe that the uh, all these kings were intermarried at this time, weren't they? I'm pretty sure they were the, the Lydians. Oh, yes. Yeah, and the Medes and the Babylonians were kind of related. They had, you know, intermarried, married to keep the peace. For sure. And there's been a long peace between uh, Babylonia and the Medes, right? Yeah, really, there has. They worked together to crush Assyria. And Lydia, even Lydia and the Medes are at peace since the Battle of the Eclipse. Yeah. Which is 585. That's So that's 585, the Lydians and the Medes have been at peace and pretty much around the Babylonians and the Medes too. So yeah, we've got a whole generation of peace. Okay. No major power wars. No, they, we, it seems that this world would be ready to stop a conqueror from taking all of it. 
but apparently they weren't ready. Right. So there are three more interesting characters in Babylon, except King Nerglisser. Remember any of them? We have Nabonidus. Yes. We have Belshar, Belshazzar, which is Nabonidus' son. True. And who else do we have? The Crown Prince. Oh, the Crown Prince. What's his name again? Labashi Marduk. Labashi Marduk. Okay. So Nerglissar returns home. That's the journey that would have taken 50 days that I mentioned. Okay. And we have a contract dated from Nerglissar from April 12 at Babylon and another contract from Uruk from April 16. Okay. But then something happens. Nerglissar dies. Oh. And we're not sure why. Okay. We don't know if he was killed or just died. He could have been old. There is a theory that he died on the return journey and never got home. Hmm. But then these documents wouldn't be signed in April under his name. Oh, I see. Okay. And people would know that. But he probably reigned for three years and eight months. Okay. So I ended last episode with asking that he would reign long, but he didn't. No. Apparently he didn't even make it to the very beginning of this episode. But here we have an established crown prince, Labashi Marduk, who now can peacefully assume power and become the fifth king of the new Babylonian Empire. And he does. This Barossa's character, the historian from uh, Hellenistic times from Babylon, Mm -hmm. he says that Labashi Marduk is a child when he becomes king. But there are other texts that oppose this. There is a text from 558 that says that Labashi Marduk was in charge of his own affairs. So he made contracts and stuff, so he couldn't have been a child. Oh, okay. He could still be young. Yeah, it could be like 15 or something. There is an inscription where Nabonidus refers to Labashi Marduk as, quote, a young boy who had not yet learned proper behavior, end Hmm. quote. King Joffrey. Yes, something like, we don't know. Barossus also says that Labashi Marduk's evil ways led to his downfall. But we have no... No example of these evil ways. Mm-hmm. But it seems reasonable that um, Nereglissar could keep things together, being married to daughter Nebuchadnezzar. But once he dies, mm-hmm. it becomes clear to the Babylonians that this Labashi Mordecai is just a commoner. Okay. And he has no right to the throne. That is if he's not the, uh, the son of Kachaya. All right. Which is one of Nebuchadnezzar's uh, sisters. This goes really wrong for uh, Labashi Marduk. And Barossa says that his friends plotted against him. And then the child king was beaten to death. Ew, beaten to death. Wow. Barossa says that this happens nine months into Labashi Marduk's reign as the fifth king of Babylon. Wow, he didn't even have any guards. The Uruk Kingsley says only three months. 
and we have contracts signed under the name of King Labashi Marduk, and they only appear during two months. So Labashi Marduk's reign is extremely short. Yeah, and he's dead, so beaten to death. That's a really one, interesting one. He was killed in some way, maybe he was beaten to death, but there's clearly a conspiracy against him. And this conspiracy seems to be led by Belshazzar. Aha. Uh-huh. The son of Nabonidus. Yeah. Especially if Nabonidus is getting old. Yes, and after the death of Labashi Marduk, the conspiracy places Nabonidus on the throne. And he is utterly surprised by this. He's like, oh no, guys, you didn't. I don't want to be the king of Babylon. Oh no, I had no idea this was happening. <laughs> you won't be the first or the last person in history to pull that one. And the earliest tablet dated to Nabonidus' reign is June 26th. The same year. So uh, he becomes the king of Babylon. And he really doesn't want this. He, he says. <laughs> he says anyway. But... Yes. It's just his son that placed him on the throne. Yeah. Dad, here's a gift for you. The throne of Babylon. Yeah, that would maybe give the son time to let the dad get assassinated if he had to. Plus, the dad had a lot of friends. Maybe it's just a, a feeler to see if, the, uh, if his dad is accepted as the king or if he's immediately assassinated. Yeah, crazy. But he places dad on the throne. Now, Nabonidus is getting up there in years. Now he's probably 65. Yeah. And it's really a common thread there. Nabonidus says he didn't intend to become the king and he accepted the kingship reluctantly. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mm-hmm. And there is some truth in this, I think. Because Nabonidus is becoming more and more religious. Yeah. In one inscription, Nabonidus visits the sanctuaries of Marduk and Nabu in search for divine guidance. Mm. Should he accept the kingship or not? And here is the inscription. Quote from Nabonidus. The heart of Marduk, my lord, calmed down. 
reverently I praised him and sought after his sanctuary with prayers and supplications. Thus I addressed my prayers to him, telling him what was in my heart. Let me indeed be a king who pleases your heart, I who, not knowing, had no thought of kingship for myself, when you, O Lord of Lords, have entrusted me with a rulership more important than the rulerships which may have been exerted in the past by other kings whom you have called. Lengthen my days, may my years become old, let me fulfill the function of the provider. End quote. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting. He goes to great lengths to be this uh, this king who doesn't want the power. Mm-hmm. Seems to be. And Belshazzar now becomes the crown prince. He also, for some reason, managed to steal all the private property of Labashi Marduk. Oh. So Belshazzar is now next to the king, the richest, the most prominent man in Babylonia. And they were already pretty rich family, Nabonidus, I would think. Yes, but remember, Nereglisar was the rich one. Oh yeah, Nereglisar was the real rich guy, right. Nabonidus was interested in wisdom, uh, knowledge, religion and stuff, and not really money. But his son is now super wealthy. Oh, because he took over Nereglisar's uh, inheritance, basically, like the son being killed. Yes. Also, if Belshazzar would have taken the throne by himself, there would have been a problem. Because a Babylonian king doesn't generally have a living father. Aha. Uh-huh. So maybe now Belshazzar did what was best for him. Placing dad, placing old dad on the throne and getting all the money and riches. And of course Belshazzar is an interesting person because he gets really, really bad press in the Old Testament. Oh yeah, for sure. This is both of them, both dad and son. They get it wrong, though, because they, they think his dad is Nebuchadnezzar. It must be confusing. Everybody has N names, like Nereglissa, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, right. They wrote it hundreds of years later, too. So that we're, we're referring to the book of Daniel. Yes. Which I think if we could put off to the 540s, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it. Oh, yes, please do. Yeah. Also, Nabonidus, in his uh, writings and speeches, refers a lot to Nebuchadnezzar and Nereglisser as great kings that he knew closely, personally. He was with them day and night and advised them. Yeah. They were his friends. The problem wasn't Nereglisser, it was his bad son. And he was like King Joffrey. Yeah, that Nabonidus' good son removed from power. Right. Maybe he deserved a good beating. Nabonidus is also right a bit about his father, Nabu Balatsuiki, and says that he was a learned counselor. So he was obviously not a very powerful person yeah. in Babylonia. Wasn't there a king of Rome? Remember there was the one king who was old and they made him be the king and he really didn't want to? Was... Oh yes, several times. Yeah. Adad Guppi writes that she had influence over Nabopolassar. Nebuchadnezzar and Nereglisser. Wow. But she had no influence on Amal Marduk or Labashi Marduk, these young upstart crown princes that took power and couldn't handle it. Aha. Uh-huh. And she's the daughter of Asher Banapal. That's just amazing. Maybe she's. Maybe. We're not sure. 
She's from Azira, though. Yes. In one of his inscriptions, Nabonidus says, quote, I am Nabonidus, the only son who has nobody. In my mind, there was no thought of kingship. End quote. Again. So it's all over the place. Yeah. It does sound like it could be. I mean, we'll never know for sure. But when you hear the inscriptions of the other Babylonian kings, they sort of say, like, I was destined to be the king since before birth and all that kind of stuff. Nabonidus is more like, Morduk shows me and now I have to do this. But uh, I'm kind of into religion, really. Yeah. And we shall see from his kingship that he will prioritize religion over being a good king. Yeah, he will prove that. One of the earliest things he does as the king is go to Sippar in July 556. Okay. And donate a pound of gold to uh, the Ebabar temple in Sippar. Oh, that was nice of him. Two weeks before that, Sippar recognized Labashi Marduk as king. Uh, nearly a month after Nabonidus had actually taken power. So maybe this was a political visit to prove to them that he was now the king. Yeah. Remember the moon god Sin and the temple in Haran? Of course. The temple was destroyed by the Medes when Assyria fell. Ah. And Nabonidus starts writing immediately that this is horrible that the temple was destroyed, but it is strange. There is a strange coincidence. The temple of the moon god was destroyed exactly 54 years before Nabonidus himself became king. Uh-huh. And 54 years is three 18-year cycles, or a complete cycle of the moon. Oh, wow. There is a coincidence. Or not. And now Nabonidus feels that it's his duty as the king to restore the moon temple in Haran. Well, of course it is. <laughs> and it's not clear exactly when he starts doing it, but he is doing it. His mom must have been like, this temple's a disaster for the last 50 years. When are you gonna, somebody going to come and fix it up? And she actually remembers the temple when it was in full power. Yeah. There's also some sort of problem with the Medes close to Haran, because they are close to Haran. Yeah. And uh, he writes that there's a Median threat to the moon temple. Nabonidus also writes that both Marduk and the moon god Sin came to him in a dream and said that we have to repair the moon temple. Mm. And he said, they said to him that something bad will happen to the Medes so that you can restore the moon temple. Uh-huh. The moon temple is called the Ek Hulkul. Mm. And the city itself, Haran, is also damaged from the Median attack so long ago. Yeah, and it's so it's part of Babylonia, but it's close to the border with the, where the Medes have, you know, control. Yes, and restoring Haran and the Moon Temple would make it a powerful city and fortress mm-hmm. against the Medes. Yeah. There must have been a lot of Assyrians there for the last 50 years because it was such an Assyrian city. And Nabonidus puts a military spin on the restoration of Haran. And maybe he does this because both Nebuchadnezzar and Neriglisser did military things early in their careers as kings. Yeah. So he wants to do somewhat military things, but he will also actually lead a campaign in this very year. Mm. Okay. He was a general back in the day, so he still knows what to do. And Nabonidus is now quietly 
talking less about Marduk and more about sin. Mm. And when he writes about religion, which he does a lot, he talks a lot about sin and he doesn't often mention that Marduk is the, the king of the gods. Yeah, that's not, a, that's not a good thing to do in Babylonia. But in the fall of 556, Nabonidus leads the Babylonian army back to eastern Cilicia. Okay. To Yume. Uhume. Yeah, Ume maybe. This is the same area where Nerglisser campaigned quite recently. It could be threatened by raiders from Cilicia, but there is some sort of problem there. And uh, he goes there with the army, clears out the problem. It's very successful. They fight someone because we have prisoners, gifts, and booty. Okay. And he brings back all of this in time for the New Year's festival. And he distributes 2,850 new temple slaves. Yes. So he is a conqueror. He hasn't even been king for a year. And now he's done a successful military campaign. Yeah, there's like some, there's, 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 it seems like a little uncontrolled area there in the, right in the corner of the three empires, where the three empires meet. True, exactly like Nerglissa was thinking just a few years before. Yeah. These temple slaves is, of course, a good boost for the workforce. And uh, you would think that Nabonidus would put them at restoring the temple of the moon god in Haran. <laughs> and it's probably that Adad Guppi is in Haran at this time. Yeah, probably. He's, she's back there helping with the restoration. But he has to donate to all the temples. So the temple slaves goes to a lot of... Uh, it also has to be work done on the quay wall at Babylon. Right, But you can see that Nabonidus, the only thing he really, really cares about is the restoration of the temple of the moon god. Yeah, that's his main thing. You know what I was thinking about those slaves too? Is like, if you left them in Haran, they're too close to where they're from. If you take them all the way to Babylon, it's harder for them to get away. Yeah, that's the old Assyrian uh, yeah. wisdom, right? Right. After the New Year's festival, Nabonidus does a short tour of southern Babylonia to Kish, Larsa, Uruk and Ur. At Uruk, he reorganizes the Anna temple and changes the scheme of sacrificial offerings that he feels has gone haywire. And now it has to be restored to the old ways. Also, during Nereglissa's reign, some offerings had been neglected and he makes this right. So Nabonidus restores religious order to these cities. Mm -hmm. And we see his clear religion focus here. Yeah, clearly. And while he's out of town, when when he leaves Babylon uh, to go fighting or to go do religious things, he leaves Belshazzar in power. Okay. So this reminds me a little about uh, Sargon. Yeah. And Sennacherib. Yeah, definitely. But except he's a builder, so it's like a, it's like a sort of like Sennacherib was also a builder, but so is also um, Nabonidus likes to build too, and a little bit of war. In this relationship, yeah. Dad is doing everything. Dad is doing religion, war, uh, building, while Belshazzar is just <laughs> harassing the Jews in Babylon. Exactly. But also, he probably uh, keeps Babylon in order. Yeah, probably does. Somebody's got to. Keep the trains running on time. And we have a lot of uh, religious inscriptions of stuff Nabonidus does for the temples. In 555, 
Nabonidus goes to Hamath in Syria again. And we have records saying that it was very cold there. But we don't know really what happened. And uh, his daughter was dedicated in Ur. I don't know what that means. She must have been. She probably went to do some religious service. Yeah, right. He also uh, does work on the Ebabar temple in Sippar again. In 554, Nabonidus leads another campaign to Ammananu, during which uh, some people were decapitated and their bodies hung oh, up. Yeah. Oh, this is very Assyrian. There's still this. This is the this is the, the, the this is still the Assyrian Empire in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, and in a lot of ways, it's not right. Because during this march to Amananu, Nabonidus collects plants and fruits to be taken to Babylon for the royal gardens and table. And there is a bit of a scientist in Nabonidus. There is also very much a bit of an archaeologist in him. Yeah, archaeologist. Archaeologist. Yeah. He is uh, often called the first archaeologist. Yeah. And I will reveal why in a later decade. Okay, good. I'm going to get a little bit up on that too. I know a little bit, but not enough. Because Nabonidus will be here for a long time. Yeah. Someone in 554, either Nabonidus or his mother, Adad Guppi, was taken ill. And this was very serious because it's noted in the Chronicle. Oh. But whoever it was, that person recovered. Oh. Oh, that must have caused some... More religious fervor. Oh, yes, it probably did. You know. In 553, Nabonidus goes campaign trail again. He goes to war. There is a rebellion in the anti Lebanon mountains. Okay. I think that is on the border to Arabia, right? Yeah, around that area, I would think. Uh, so it goes there to suppress this rebellion. Yeah, and Edom there too. And Amuru is like Syria, and then Edom is like. Near Israel. Yeah, and he's staying around after this victory for three months, overseeing the transport of supplies back to Babylon. And then he becomes sick again. If he was the person who was sick in 554. But in 553, he becomes sick. But after recovering, he moves on Amur and Edom and captures a city that we have never heard about and have no name for. You know, I think I'm thinking what's happening too is they... There was a lot of turmoil over there in the Levant area, and they, they cleared out all the Jews, all the people are they're still in Babylon. And I know when the Jews went back, they said there was like, they had a, you know, it was kind of empty. So probably a lot of people filling in the void. Remember when the Scythians were all messing around over there, and then yes. the Arab tribes were getting uppity, and then Ashurbanipal had to go in and smack them down. Probably a similar type of situation. And now Nabonidus is fed up with the Arabs and goes to smack them down. Yeah. So he marches west uh, to besiege a city called Udumu in Edom. Okay. And further operations involved large military groupings and ended in the death or defeat of an unnamed individual and an attack against the gate of Rukdin. Mm. And we have no idea what this is. These crazy old cities, that's so funny how we don't know them, but... We have to remember there wasn't a lot of people as we have today. It's not like you turned around. There was lions still there. I thought the Assyrians killed them all. They probably got a bunch rid of some of them, but I bet you there was still some. Maybe by now they killed all the lions, but 
But this is a lot of fighting for Nabonidus, and he's old, and he only wants to restore the Temple of the Moon God. He keeps going to war, though. But he keeps going to war. Yeah. So in 552, or in December 553, he's campaigning in Arabia against fighting the king of Dadanu. Mm-hmm. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. By March or April, the king of uh, Dadano is defeated. And Nabonidus has captured some cities in Arabia, including the city of Taima. Taima. Yes. And Nabonidus decides that Taima should be his provisionary seat. Mm-hmm. He should base his power in Taima. Or he likes it there. Perhaps for the conquest of Arabia. Right. But perhaps for something else. The Babylonian sources claim that Nabonidus then went far into Arabian lands and conquered as far south as Medina. Oh, wow. And that's a lot of territory. That's yeah. That's as far as the Romans got, I think. Maybe they even got... Yeah, we haven't heard that before. This is far outside the reach of the Assyrian Empire. Yeah. But then something happens. Mm. Nabonidus returns to Taima and bases his power there. He stays in Taima. Oh, so he never comes back? This is the point where he goes and he never comes back for a long time? He's going to stay... For the rest of this decade and for a large part of the next. Oh man. Sinabonidas is in Taima, far away from Babylonia itself. Yeah, it's got not even much communication, you would think. Like, the, what are the roads from Taima to Babylon? So, this leaves Belshazzar in power over the empire, pretty much. Okay. But no one to do the New Year's festival. Exactly. The crown prince doing the New Year's festival, that's bad. We know how much the Babylonians hate when the New Year's festival is fucked up. They hate it. They hate it a lot. Um, but we don't know what's going on here. Why is Nabonidus staying in Taima? This is far from Haran as well. And the moon temple. It is. Going nowhere. Sometimes in history it's not for pragmatic reasons, it's for personal reasons. Like... Just for example, maybe he was the guy that was sick the last two times, and he's all into his moon god, and Taima may be beautiful, and he may say, and his son wants to run the empire, so he may say, I'm just going to stay here. Maybe that is the case. Maybe he's forced to stay away by Belshazzar. That too. That there are factions within the government, and Belshazzar is now winning out. Yeah. 
What about the army? Does he send the army back? No, oh, the, the conquest of Arabia is still ongoing, so I guess some of the army yeah. is going back and some of the army is staying. It's not the campaigning army of the Assyrian Empire, but it must be something like it. The conquest of Arabia makes sense, and Arabia has been a problem for a long time for anyone occupying uh, Mesopotamia. Yeah. But you would probably get away with putting a Babylonian garrison in Taima under a governor. You would think. There, there was no need for the king to stay in Arabia for years. No, I can't see a good reason. Besides just a personal reason. The Arabs were a threat, but they were not a big threat. They wouldn't come sack Babylon at any time. Right. Of course, from Arabia, you have some control over Egypt, but... Uh, Dealing with Egypt from a city isolated deep in Arabia would be bad. It's probably better to do it from Palestine. Yeah, I think. Which is also under Babylonian control. Yeah, yeah. Could be something to do with Egypt, but I don't know, 10 years, 10, staying all that time. It could have something to do with moving the focus of the Babylonian Empire, like when the Romans moved their capital to uh, Constantinople. Mm-hmm. or Nicomedia before that, that the East became so important for the Romans that they had to move the capitals. Maybe now Nabonidus wants to focus on the West, but nothing comes out of this. Yeah, and that's not the best place to be. Like you said, I'd go to Jerusalem or something. Yes, definitely. Jerusalem or even in Samaria where it's a, you have a defensible, you know, if the Armageddon passed there. You can also reflect on the thing that Nabonidus now brought his army even further from the Medes. Yeah, that too. And there is speculation that he knew that the Medes would be in trouble. Oh, yeah. And that maybe Nabonidus or Belshazzar convinced Cyrus to rebel against the Medes. Yeah. Because when Nabonidus stays in Taima, it's exactly... When Cyrus rebels against the Medes. We'll cover that in our next episode. Okay. A historian, Bellew, says, quote, Unless one assumes that the king was totally devoid of strategic ability, it seems hard to believe that he would engage a significant part of the Babylonian army in a long campaign to Arabia without making sure that the northern and eastern borders of the empire would be secure, at least for a certain number of years, end quote. Mm-hmm. And while Nabonidus stayed in Taima, Cyrus will do so many things. But Nabonidus still stays in Taima. Yeah. So maybe there was a deal of some kind. Yeah, maybe. But this will cost Nabonidus everything. <laughs> yes, it will. I will talk a lot more about Nabonidus being gone from Babylon in the 540s. Okay. I'll also talk about why he's the first archaeologist. Yeah. And we'll talk about the Book of Daniel. And we'll talk about Belshazzar. That's going to be awesome. We could call it the Book of Dan. Daniel. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but Dan was one of the sons of Joseph, right? I guess. Thank. Or one of, the, one of the brothers of Joseph. Maybe a brother. No, the brother, one of the sons of Jacob. Okay, my biblical knowledge. Yeah, I know. One, whoever the sons, one of the sons is all the names of the Israel, the tribes. Yeah, there is a tribe of Dan. So yes, one of those, probably the sons of one of those guys. There's a tribe of Dan. So we'll leave Nabonidus here. But I would like to point out that he has, at this point, ruled longer than both Amel Marduk, Latashi Marduk, and Neryglissar. 
Oh. So this is the third longest reign of a Neo-Babylonian king. Okay. But sadly, after this reign, there will not be a Neo-Babylonian king. And there will not be a Neo-Babylonian empire. No, there will not. But someone else will suffer the wrath of Cyrus in the next episode. Now nah, we're really going to have him. And spoiler, is that Astyages. <laughs> yes, he is. He's first. So next time we'll do Cyrus versus the Medes. Cyrus versus the Medes. All right. But that's next on Fano History. Please follow us on Facebook and check out my Instagram. I'm Dan Horning with umlaut over the O. That's two dots. Yeah. Uh, and uh, please uh, check out our Patreon as well and our YouTube channel. Yeah, I was going to say, check out our YouTube. We put the What's New and Histories up there on the YouTube channel. And I I like that because some people can make comments. Please, no aliens comments or anything like that. Bring out the aliens. Yeah, they're coming, though, for real. Something's happening. I don't know what's going on, but something's unusual. Maybe the aliens forced Nabonidus to hide in Taima. They might. I, is this the last question? Is this Taima still around? I have to look that up. I'll bring that up in the next episode. I, that might be a place to visit on the Fan of History tour. Although it's probably in Saudi Arabia. So I guess it's probably not the best place to go. I've also seen it mentioned as Taima. Okay. It must be nice there because Nabonidus was going all around and doing his work and taking care of them. He got there and he said, I'm not leaving. Yeah, it must be super nice. But we'll get back to Taima in uh, 5.40. <laughs> okay. So now. Perfect. All right, till, till next time, we'll be back with Cyrus. We sure will. Cheers. Cheers. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time.